1: Welcome to the Buckeye Talk. Steven means Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. And we are, as you're listening to this, one day away from Ohio State's first big game of the season against Notre Dame in South Bend at 7 o'clock on NBC on Saturday. Ryan Day said something on his radio show that I think is worth noting. He said that we plan on, we're going to let it rip on Saturday when talking about the offense. And I want you both to give the answer of, do
2: you believe him, Nathan, start with you. I'm inclined to believe him because they saw the result of it. They saw that there was a flaw in the mindset between Michigan and Georgia, right? And mm-hmm. now, as I mentioned the other day, when we we're talking about this. I think there is some consideration here for whether or not the mental block of the game, the game, is unique to the game. That could be a part of that. And we'll, I guess, get some more data about that here in a couple months. And Kyle McCord has talked about it and and other people in this program have talked about it that this that the mindset change and the way that they played at Georgia taught them something so i guess until we're proven wrong you take people at face value when they say stuff so i'm inclined to believe it but it's an easier thing to say than it is to do if you get in a position where you don't fully still trust parts of this offense yet. And I think that's the thing that people should keep in mind, that what Ryan Day says philosophically and then can execute with C.J. Stroud and an NFL-stacked offensive line is different maybe than what he can say and then execute with this current offensive line and Kamichord still getting his feel under center.
0: I believe him with a limit. I don't know how you want to put it with the top on it. I, I don't know how you want to say this, but he has mentioned enough times this week enough times for me to take notice the desire to run the ball and the desire to get a push up front and the desire not to establish hashtag establish the ground game, not get low fire off hat on a hat, three yards cloud of dust type of coaching. I'm not saying that that's what he means. But I do think that he understands the fact that you cannot be getting 2.1 yards per carry in any game or any part of the season and then just go out there and say, you know what, we're just going to, you know, teams know that, that's fine. It doesn't matter. We're going to throw it 50 times and we're still going to beat teams to sleep. Like that. that's not going to happen. So I think when he says let it rip, There is going, I think it might be a little confusing to people because I think some people might look at this and say, Ohio state's going to get out there. And if they have a 10 play 75 yard drive for a touchdown, Ohio state's going to throw nine passes or they're going to do, they're going to be going forward on certain situations. They're going to be doing all these kind of crazy things. I don't know if that's the case with this. I think that there is going to be an element of, you still want to run, you still want to run the ball. Like, and, and I, I really think he means, I think he means that more than he means we're going to let it rip. Like I think he really wants to get this run game going because if you can get this run game going that opens up the pass game even more than it's already open. So I think that there is kind of this element of look, we're going to be aggressive, kind of like I was saying on the pod yesterday. I think he means we're going to be aggressive, we're going to we're going to do what we do best, we're going to let this thing rip but to a point. I think that there is going to be some kind of hold back a little bit with that, just in terms of how they approach the game and what they're trying to do against Notre Dame's defense.
2: Well, how much do we think play calling is a critical part of this loose, aggressive mindset? Mm-hmm. Is, is Because I think the mindset is maybe more important and how they show up and how they feel that night. And that's such a nebulous thing. But like that to me is more important than what you didn't do X's and O's wise on a football field, because so many of those plays nowadays are there's analytics involved. There's, you know, I, I do think from a philosophical standpoint, though, it might be the difference between it's fourth and one in the first quarter at the Notre Dame forty six. They're going for and, it. And you go for that, or, going, going, or maybe yeah. like fourth and two, or even fourth, you know, fourth and short, fourth and one's probably bad because your, your percentage percentages are really high. But like fourth and two, fourth and three, like it, do they go for it there? Is that maybe where the kind of the loose aggressive mindset comes into this? And I also do think he has reason to start trusting this defense maybe more than he did last year. So that could factor yeah. into what I was saying before about, well, maybe you're not quite all the way there as far as how uh, aggressive you feel like you can be as a play caller yet with certain parts of this offense. You, you do, I think, are starting to probably build more trust, gain more trust if you're Ryan Day, that you th- this defense will bail you out and you can maybe take some more chances. I think the defense is why
1: I believe him to that point. It's... If you're at Notre Dame's 45-yard line and it's 4th and 1, you can go for it instead of maybe kicking a field goal or punting because you have belief that your defense can get the stop. Because it spent three weeks showing you it can get the stop. In fact, it might be able to get you back the ball in two plays if it causes a turnover. I think that plays a point into this. I think that they have spent three weeks teasing some stuff. We saw Marvin Harrison Jr. in the slot for a couple plays against Western Kentucky, the Jet sweep stuff that they were doing with Marvin Harrison Jr., they always have creative stuff for Emeka, Buka as well. We've seen the Titans get involved. We've seen Chip train them have a significant role here. To answer your first question, how much does the play calling matter and stuff like this, I think there's a 30-30-30 split, and then that other 10% just depends on how the game is going, on which right. box it falls in. And it's play calling, it's mindset, and it's just how players just play. Right? Are dudes out there being dudes? As much as it was about Ryan Day not holding anything back against Georgia, CJ was also like a dude for 60 minutes. Marvin Harrison Jr. was a dude until he got knocked out of that game. Emeka Buka started going. Julian Fleming started going. Steele Chambers is making plays defensively. You know, guys are also just being dudes. So I think yeah. it's they they all three of those things feed into each other. of What are the what are the dudes doing? What's the play calling? And then what's the mindset that's been established from Monday heading into that game? And then that other 10%, it just depends on the play, depends on uh, whatever the scenario is that plays out. But I do believe him. When I hear he's going to let it rip, I think all the stuff he's been teasing, we're going to see at full strength.
2: I I just think it's important we talk about it that way because I I think there's people who might hear it sometimes and they're like, all right, it's Arena League time. They're just going to go six receivers wide and just run verts and launch bombs away, right? Steven that's what being they loose should, and aggressive means. I don't <laughs> think they should do <laughs> that. Washington is doing that right now with Michael Penix, and I don't think that's a sustainable way to win, and Tennessee showed us that a year ago. It's six verts with five offensive linemen, and the center just lines up backwards and hikes yeah. the ball downfield, it's like and somebody runs football, under yeah. it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's an innovative offense we're working on here. I just, I'm going to say the quote that he said last January, or last December, and I'm going to say the quote he said today. Mm-hmm. So when he said last December, we're going to play loose, be aggressive and go at people. There can't be moving forward. Anybody in our program that presses at all and feels pressure. We're just going to roll. And I think we can be a dangerous team here in the playoff. That really, to me, has almost nothing to do with play calling. He's talking about not being tight in the moment. And he is talking to himself there and he is the play caller. So that's where it I shouldn't say it doesn't have anything to do with play calling, but it's almost only like how it applies to him. I think it's a much more message for the rest of this team and the rest of this coaching staff to to not be frozen in the moment. And then today, the way he said it, actually, I got to find it again. I think it's critical. I remember with the, I can't remember the exact wording of the question from Bill Rabinowitz. I think it's critical. That's got to be our mentality. We have to go into this environment and embrace it and go get it. Go as hard as you possibly can and not look up at the scoreboard until the fourth quarter. That wasn't the let it rip quote, but that was a, a, a longer quote that he said later. That again, mm-hmm. he's bringing, he's talking about mentality. He's talking about embracing, embracing the intensity of the environment as opposed to maybe seizing up in it and and freezing and sustaining that attack. And I think we both, we all felt when we watched that Michigan game last year, that especially on offense, and I don't think it's completely a play calling thing. I think that there's just something tightened in that team. And it comes up when you're trying to convert third and short with the run. It comes up when you're trying to, you know, run routes in in critical situations. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I think that's it. It's much more about the mindset that everybody gets off the bus with on Saturday to me than what the coaches then call because the, the play that you call if executed by a loose, aggressive player might work when the same play called by a player who's tightened up or executed by a player who's tightened up might not work. But I think it works the
1: other way as well. If you're calling a conservative play, might not get executed, even if your players are amped up. We can make what we want to make of the, the Michigan game and them not going forward on fourth down in that situation. But in that moment, what we saw was C.J. Stroud pleading with his play caller to go for it. And the play caller going, no, we're going to punt it. Now, maybe it was a fake punt. What, maybe it wasn't. Jim Harbaugh thought it was. Ryan Day has admitted it was. But it's easy to say that after the fact. In that moment, we all saw your quarterback who is running an offense that's supposed to be the most explosive in the country or one of the most explosive, wanting to go for it in a big game, and Ryan Day said no. That's what I'm getting at here when you say the play-calling element of it. We're talking again. We brought up the example. It's fourth and one on Notre Dame's 42-yard line. This is the game where you go for it because you have that much belief in your defense, but also you are supposed to have this explosive offense that's supposed to be able to get one yard. It should be able to do those things. So I, I think I'm with you. I think the mindset matters, but how that is divvied up and what that shows up as depends on who you're talking about. When you're talking about mindset with Ryan Day, it's play calling. When you're talking about mindset with Jim Knowles, it's play calling. When you're talking about it with Marvin Harrison, it's can he dominate the guy who's across from him? When you're talking about it with the offensive line, it's what Justin Fry said. Can you be violent in the run game and get a push? Can you start
0: a game like this with the let it rip mentality, or is this something that you need to feel And slowly ease your way into, because the, the reason that I asked that question is, do you want to start like that? And Notre, you know, Ohio state goes, you know, they get a first down or two and then they punt on their first drive. Notre Dame kicks a field goal. It's three, nothing with three minutes left in the first quarter. And Ohio state's at fourth and two with their own 40. Is that a let it rip moment? Like, are there let it rip moments in this game where you can actually back off the gas and say, you know what? Not right now. Like, is that a thing? Like, I don't know if I'm crazy for saying that or suggesting that. I just I, I don't know if you want to go into this like for the exactly the scenario that I suggested. Like, I'm just curious, like what you guys think of. Are there moments well, where you can go into a game and say, you know what? We're going to let it rip. And then you get to a certain point in the game and you say, actually, not right now.
2: Yes, because and that's where, again, it comes back to what I was saying before that. I think it's a lot of this, again, is the message that comes from the top down. And if Ryan Day today were talking about because obviously there's 12 billion people that cover this team and um, all of this stuff gets out there to, to the players. If he's not saying it to them directly, they all have social media that they all know how to use the internet. They're all finding these things that he says, cause they're broadcast out by all of us. And if he were today, obviously he's speaking respectfully of Notre Dame, but if he's saying like, it's, it's critical, we don't make any mistakes. And that, uh, you know, we, it, it keeps you up at night. Those sort of things that he always used to say about like, Oh, you're really, you're, you're worried about this and that. And instead, when he's putting out the message, we're going to let it rip. Uh, we're going to go get it. Like, I think that is the important part of this, that, you're getting that message to players and that's the mindset that they arrive with that your coach is not tight if if your coach is tight that filters down through the rest of the program i think if they are getting the the idea right now that ryan day is confident and loose and they're well prepared and they're doing all the preparation that they would normally do anyway i think that's the right combination and i think that then when it comes into a crucial moment in the game you can still make a prudent decision a a more conservative decision at a at an important time without completely blowing that idea of being aggressive in general and being loose in general
1: i think because that's a very specific now you're talking a football scenario and whether it's worth it or not i think it's more what you do when you're trying to set a tone because the first three plays of the game against georgia went to marvin harrison It was completion, incompletion, because I think Marvin went in and CJ threw out, which is fine. But then they went to Marvin again, and then they went to Mecca, and then went to Marvin again, and then they went to Mecca. But the first drive ended with a punt. (laughs) They didn't score on the first drive. So it's like, it's not always going to, just because you're aggressive doesn't mean you're going to always end up with a touchdown. But it set a tone for how Ohio State was going to approach that game. We're going to be aggressive. And it eventually paid off because they never backed down from that. You can be aggressive with the run game too. If you're a run first team, if that's how you're dominant and you come out the gate in your first seven plays, they were like this in 2019 against Michigan. They came out, and I think their first four or five plays were runs to J.K. Dobbins, runs to J.K. Dobbins, runs to J.K. Dobbins, and it set a tone that we're not going to let our foot off your neck with J.K. Dobbins, and he ended up with 200-plus yards in that game. So it, it's it, when, I, when it's aggressiveness we're talking about, it's leaning on the thing you do best and not letting the other team have any rest from that. Right now, it's the passing game, and it could always flip depending on what your personnel is on a given year.
2: But I think again, as long as we're making getting the proper context here, yeah, the passing game had real separation from what Ohio State could do with the run game that night at the Peach That's Bowl true. because Trevin Henderson was walking around with that crutch that had the little knee he rest had, that if you looked at like it a from the right leg angle, yeah. yeah, if you looked at it from the right angle at practice, it looked like he just had his. Legs severed under the knee It was kind of freaky the first time I looked at it uh, He did not, he has all of his legs Um, So he's not playing My Williams was dressed And I can't remember if he touched the ball But he was not He a scored.
1: He Chip played trained. one drive He scored that touchdown where it was like Well, all of My and Williams' volume is in that one right, goal okay. line touchdown And then we didn't see him again
2: That's right. And then he did not return. Right. And, um, you know, Chip Traynham was there and available, but he actually, people remember was banged up down the stretch last year Uh, that Michigan game came in. So I don't know what his full capability was. And then you were down to at that point, Dallin Hayden who had looked pretty good against Indiana and Maryland, but had not been on the field against anything. So, you know what I'm saying? Like that context, it played into also why they had to prioritize the pass so much that night. I don't think that's Ryan day's, First preference, and it's not necessarily how they've even built the program. Like you, you've got these running backs here, and you got them here for a reason. You, you want to use Trevan Henderson too. You don't want to leave a, a potential weapon who they, someone they still believe is a real weapon, uh, out of the offense. So, I think that's again important context. If you're waiting for Ohio State to come out and just whip it around, pass after pass after pass after pass, after pass to start a game like this, I'm skeptical that that happens too. I think it's it's all about they really care about offensive flow. But, again, I think it's about having the right energy coming into a game. And I do think it will come – again, it, it's gonna, it's not going to be a 60-minute a evaluation of the play calling, kind of what Andrew was getting to. I don't think it's a – you can't go play-by-play play and say, well, that wasn't aggressive enough, that wasn't aggressive enough, because sometimes mm-hmm. it's football. It's the prudent choice to make a, a, a conservative choice. But I do think there probably will be, in a game this potentially tight, a handful of times – where you can later go back and scrutinize and be like, oh, you know what? If they if they take their shot there, who knows what happens. Who's the first play call for? Oh, probably Trevion. Travion. Unless it, unless or, or maybe like a, you know, uh, actually no, I I might take that back. I think uh, it might be Marvin. From the slaughter from the boundary. He said, the boundary. said something to He said something today. Oh, of course, yeah, boundary boundary they're not okay. I so, think the first time these we see the boundary I, boys I, yeah
1: yeah it is yeah they're not the <laughs> first thing they're gonna do is no I do think the first time they take a shot Marvin might be in the slot though and I think they might motion him in there
2: that would be again that I asked Ryan today about the balance that you're trying to strike between like building an offense and getting a flow on offense through these first three games when half the time mm-hmm. or for part of the time you didn't even have an established starting quarterback yet and then also knowing that you probably had to like keep a little something back for a week like this. And I don't know that he like gave, it wasn't a amazingly insightful question. I don't know if he gave a great answer, but later he was asked about, or actually before that Bill Anderson said the first question asked about Marvin Harrison Jr. in the slot. And the answer day gave was more like, well, teams are kind of taking that away. But the premise of the question was you haven't really done it as much as we thought maybe mm-hmm. you would have by this point. And I think that that would be an interesting thing to come out and, throw at them but I think Notre Dame is probably aware that that's an option on the table everybody's been writing about that for for six months my inclination is just to say Trevion because I do think they really want to establish the run and and it is true if you're Ohio State and you come out and truly do establish the run against an opponent then it is bombs away probably against what's the defense supposed to do now you're sagging guys up and you've got no chance and it's it's it makes it harder to give that you know extra coverage on Marvin with the safety and stuff like that, but i I do totally see the importance potentially of coming out and being more vertical with it right away, like you know get the you know because your guys also are good enough that maybe you don't have to set up things with the run quite the same way i I see both philosophies to there set up the
1: run yeah i I think there's a chance here that. Because I understand the Travion established the run thing, but I keep going but I keep thinking about the first thing they did with CJ Stroud in that Minnesota game was a bubble screen to get him a completion, to get him in the game. Because now it's like, okay, cool. He's got a completion. Yeah. So you can get that off. So I think there is going to I think it's just an easy play to either Marvin or Mecca just to get Kyle McCord in the game. Okay, Kyle McCord's got a completion in the big game. Let's move forward here. Now, do they get Travion involved? Yes, but I think the first thing they do is get Kyle McCord a, an easy completion that should be a give-me
2: in this That's offense. I, I also yeah.
1: think the first time it's second and short, if they're in the midfield, I'm expecting Marvin Harrison to get a shot deep in the slot.
2: I would be, I could see them like motioning him in the slot to yep. Julian Fleming's side and doing yep. like a screen out to that side. Maybe Stover's on that side too. Because uh, I, just giving yourself a bit the best blocking opportunity.
0: I I told Steven before I wish I could go back and do redo our outrageous predictions that we recorded last night, um, because I actually think that there's a chance that Notre Dame comes out more aggressive than Ohio State. Like I think even if you want to say Ohio State's going to come out and throw the ball, I don't think that the, I, we. What did we just say? They're, they, you know, Travion Henderson. So they're going to run it or a quick bubble screen or something like this, something like that to get your quarterback in the game. If there's a book out there that would take a Notre Dame first play prop, I would bet it to be a touchdown because I think Notre Dame might very early in this game, try to establish the deep ball and try to like tell Ohio state, look back off. Cause we're going to try this, you know? So I don't know. What would that be? Plus 15,000. So like $10 to win like $1,500 or something like that. I don't know. I would I would bet that if there was a if there was a book that would take the first offensive play from Notre Dame, what's the result? I would take that bet. Um, so I I think that Notre Dame actually, Mike. I think that we're for all this talk about Ohio State being more aggressive and letting it rip and all those kind of keywords that were thrown around. I actually think Notre Dame might start this game a little bit more aggressive than Ohio State, almost because Ohio State might look at this and say we're gonna we're gonna get involved in the game. We're gonna get our quarterback into the game. I'm not saying that, you know, Ohio state's going to run the ball three times to start the game, but I think Notre Dame might come out and just start throwing punches and, you know, trying to tell Ohio state in, in a manner of speaking, look, here we are. And and we have a quarterback that we're not afraid to use. So I I don't know. I I think that there's a chance that like early on, and I think this will kind of come back to equilibrium over the rest of the game. But I think early on Notre Dame might be more aggressive and uh, Jared Parker that's a really tough name because it's spelled really weird. It's yeah. G-E-R-A-D. It's spelled Gerard. Yeah, and it's Jared. No, Parker. No, I, say, really one, I say Gerard really one a lot. R. Yeah, but there's I still say Gerard, yeah. <laughs> um, but Ger- yeah. I think Jared Parker might come out more aggressive than Ryan Day to start this one.
1: Ohio State took the ball the last two weeks. I'm wondering if they right. use that same philosophy this week. Sure. Because part of the reason they took the ball the last two weeks is because Indiana came out and played keep away, and Youngstown State did the same thing, and so they were trying to get more plays. But in a game like this where Notre Dame might not try to play keep away, I wonder if Ryan Day goes sticks with that offense first or he puts his defense out there first if they win the coin toss.
2: I, I would mark this down. I think if they win the toss, I think they defer. Because I think the last two weeks it was about getting this offense going and making sure they got yeah. all the possessions that they could. And I think this week it would be about game winning strategy. And I think, especially with the confidence they're building in this defense, I think they think of this as a a big game winning strategy for them, that if they have the ball to start the second half, that if they get the ball back at the end of the first half with any time on the clock, they got a shot to get to sneak one in. Yeah. I am. Um, I think I agree with that. I think, Ohio State defers, and I think
1: Notre Dame takes it because. Oh, they, yes, they to want to be a great. Yeah, we Notre, have it because yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm saying if Notre Dame wins the the point oh. toss, they won't defer. They'll just take the ball because I don't think. While I'm, no. I am, I, I believe know. him as well. I believe Marcus Freeman as well with the aggressive thing. I also think they need to put themselves in a position where they're not potentially down seven to nothing when they get the ball because they need to give themselves a
2: puncher's chance. So I, I
1: think that regardless regardless of who wins the coin toss i think notre dame gets the ball gets the ball first
2: there might be some truth to that that, that notre dame is not as set up to have to rally and win this game as Ohio yeah. state is so maybe you don't want to take the chance of putting yourself in a hole putting one of the best offenses in the country on the field to start the game but Ohio mm-hmm. State or notre dame also thinks highly of its own offense um but it is That's just yeah. such a i mean it is uh, Everybody defers. Like, I mean, it's it's widely mm-hmm. you know, most people defer. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Notre Dame did that just because it's if, if they are if they are confident that this is equated to some extent, then why wouldn't you? If if you really believe that, if you believe that you're not the one that's like kind of nipping at the heels here, that you can go toe to toe, I think you, you should defer. Only on Buckeye Talk do we find a way to talk about a game so in depth that we're talking about whether
1: a team is going to take or defer on the coin toss when we come back we're going to get into what we're actually going to talk about here on this podcast yeah you got to we're going to talk about Sam Hartman and just where he fits in with some of the other quarterbacks Ohio State's had to face over the past six years here and have lost to and where he ranks him on that list so we'll get into that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk Sign up for a text, 614-350-3315. I sent out a poll to our texters this morning, Nathan and Andrew, and it had on it a list of every quarterback Ohio State has lost to since Ryan Day has been here. So that includes 2017 and 2018 when he was just the offensive coordinator. So every loss Ohio State has had with Ryan Day on his coaching staff. That's Oklahoma's Baker Mayfield. And Iowa's Nate Stanley in 2017. That's Purdue's David Blau in 2018. That's Clemson's Trevor Lawrence in 2019. Alabama's Mac Jones in 2020. Oregon's Anthony Brown in 2021. And Michigan's Cade McNamara in 2021 as well. J.J. McCarthy played in that game, but he only threw one pass and he didn't start. So Michigan's J.J. McCarthy in 2022. And then Georgia's Stetson Bennett in 2022 as well. And I asked you guys, and I asked the Texans to tell me where Sam Hartman would fit in on that list, just from a pure talent standpoint, not how they performed in that game, because the lesser talented guys kind of performed better, at least the numbers part of it in that game. So just pure talent of a quarterback, those 10 guys. And I'm just going to throw out who the top three are, because I assume these would be the top three, and they were, and I'm assuming they're the top three on your list as well. Trevor Lawrence is number one, Baker Mayfield is number two, and Mac Jones is number three. In some order, is that your top three as the three guys who were also first-round draft picks?
2: I, yep. I, would, I put Stetson Bennett above Jones. Cool. Really? That's fun. Dude won a he lot of really games. He was really good, man.
1: though, last year. Yeah, he was <laughs> he really good last year. That's fun. So that's fair. Well, Stetson Bennett was fourth amongst the testers, and I also had him fourth. So I, I'm you're not far off there. Well, Andrew, where'd you have Stetson Bennett? Just for talking about Stetson again, I do declare. I'm not going to do uh, it. I'm not going to do the, the the accent. I can't do it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I do declare. Uh, I had Bennett fifth. Okay. So the Texans had Sam Hartman fifth and below him. Right below him at sixth was J.J. McCarthy. Seventh was David Blau. Eighth was Anthony Brown. Ninth was Cade McNamara. And then Nathan Stanley, who threw five touchdowns. <laughs> Against Ohio State's defense, a defense that had Nick Bosa for all, for like, what, like seven plays before he got ejected with a targeting call? But Nate Stanley was 10th on that list. The reason I'm giving it all out, because that's not the point of why I did this. The fact that they have Sam Hartman in the middle, where did you two have Sam Hartman from a pure talent point in a list like this? I
0: had Sam Hartman
1: fourth on my list.
0: When I say this, I think we also kind of need to look at this. Like we look at the college football playoff rankings some years where it's like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and then some like random team, like some random fourth team who you're like, oh, well, they're clearly not as good. Like there's very clearly a tier break here. Like I think it's disingenuous to say that there's the there's equal distance between one, two, three, four, five. Like I, I just I don't agree with that. I think it's one, two, three. And it's probably like one. A little bit of less of a gap to two, a fair gap to three, and then a big gap to four. I can give you um, the gaps.
1: I can give you the gaps. Yeah, Look,
0: like Trevor Lawrence well, was, gonna, was yeah. the
1: clear number one. His weighted rank was one point four six. Baker Mayfield, the clear number two, two point five two. Mac Jones, the clear number three, at three point one three. Stetson Bennett, number the clear number four, four point one nine, and then Sam Hartman and JJ McCarthy actually had the same score, five point four. About four nine, and then there's like a two point gap in between five and six, and then the rest of the list. So I think with Hart- the reason I have
0: Hartman fourth, the pendulum swings a lot in wrong directions. I think I think overreaction is just something that we just deal with in sports all the time. And I think if it, like if Sam Hartman wins this game, it's going to swing too far in the direction of Sam Hartman's a first round pick, whatever. It's going to go too far. But right now, I think that there is kind of a little bit of this narrative that like. Sam Hartman only was good because of Wake Forest. He didn't really play well against good teams, blah, 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 blah. And it's like Dave Clawson will come out and tell you, and by the way, the reason that they ran that slow mesh RPO stuff is fascinating with Wakey Leagues, sidebar. But Sam Hartman, like, and Dave Clawson will tell you that Sam Hartman and Wake Forest offense, they only ran that like type of slow mesh where you're like, kind of walking towards the line of scrimmage, they only ran that like a quarter of the time. Like it wasn't like that was 90% of their playbook. So Sam Hartman is not just kind of this like one trick pony who has kind of been doing this for a while. And now all of a sudden he's playing real football or or whatever. Like Sam Hartman's really talented and he throws a really good deep ball. And he's done that last year. Like Wake Forest was like, I think 12th in average yards per attempt last year of uh in passing and and that includes having like the triple option teams in the top in the top 10 because like a pass for air force is a trick play. So it's, Wake Forest w- was pretty good and and they air the ball out a lot. Like if you watch that Clemson game, Sam Hartman you can think a lot of Clemson, but Clemson's defense had some talent and Sam Hartman played really really well against Clemson last year. So I think Sam Hartman's really good. Like I, I I think that there has kind of been this narrative that like, I, I don't know what we can say about him as a pro, but as a college player, I, I just really like Sam. I think that he throws a good deep ball as evidenced by his stats right now. He doesn't make a lot of dumb mistakes. He doesn't have an interception thrown through four games. Now I understand they haven't really played anybody good. That is fair. Um, you know, the best team that they've played is NC state, but I don't know. I, I, look at Sam and I'm like, man, like this guy's really good. And I think that he's a really good college player. And I think that, you know, you can kind of look around the, like if I personally, I think that if Sam Hartman were at Ohio state, I think that he'd be starting over Kyle McCord right now. Like I, I really like Sam Hartman. I, I think he's really good. And, um, you know, I, I'm not saying it's, you know, a huge difference between he and Kyle McCord, but that's kind of, just for perspective, that's how how highly I kind of value Sam Hartman.
2: Nathan, do you agree with that? I have Hartman sixth uh, beneath uh, Bennett Jones and McCarthy. And mm-hmm. some of that is deferring a little bit to the guy who actually has won games of this magnitude before in, in J.J. Mm-hmm. McCarthy, even though um, he obviously was playing with a superior team to what's... Um, Sam Hartman was getting to play with at, at Wake Forest. Um, just the because one of the things that comes up with Hartman, it's, it's the offense that he played in and it's also people look and when you, when you see 23 interceptions in two years, sorry, 25 interceptions in two years, that kind of jumps off at you, right? Like we're used to seeing Ohio state quarterbacks throw five, six interceptions a year, but it's, it's skewed by the volume of passes that he's thrown. You have to take that into account. You know, as as much as we think of Ohio State as being a strong quarterback, strong receiver program, they run the ball so much that they don't really have a lot of high-volume passing. You know, C.J. Stroud, I think, attempted not a whole lot of passes last year. I get you the exact number. But um, compared to what, you know, Hartman did, 861 attempts in two years, and Stroud was 355 last year. So if you doubled that, you're, you're barely getting into, you know, 700
1: well no, no 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 cj stroud in his two years as a starter 389 eight, i'm sorry yeah three 830 passes because you gotta remember they kind of chucked it around in 21
2: yeah 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 especially i mean the rose bowl jacked that up yeah the that's end. true um, it was 441 in 2021 so yeah what would you say that total was
1: his total in two years was 830,
2: 830 for a 69% completion
1: percentage and he only threw 12 interceptions.
2: So this is where it comes back into like, well, how much is it the, how much is it the quarterback and how much is it the system? But when you, so when you fact, when you correct that for the, the volume, um, 25 interceptions and 861 attempts over two years for Hartman is 2.9%, a 2.9% interception ratio. And Stroud, 11 interceptions and 830 attempts is 1.3. So Hartman is twice as likely to throw an interception on any given pass as C.J. Stroud was. That's not, that's that's bad math in some ways, but you see where I'm going with that. That I think there is a, a, Sam Hartman to me is a good football player. He's a good quarterback, but I think statistically it's more, it's always been so much more about volume. Now he is off to a much more efficient start to this year. 13 touchdowns, no interceptions. And on the flip side of that, I think they've played one defense that I thought was very good at all. And I thought NC state had some dudes up front. I was not impressed with what they had in the secondary from the game that I saw. And I still think that until Sam Hartman. Now, now having said that you can go back and look at games in his career and say, Oh, he's not the reason they lost that game. I think there was a game against Clemson one year they lost in, Double overtime to Clemson? Overtime or double overtime? I can't remember. And I think he was like 20 of 29 and no interceptions. Like, he's had some some moments in his career that, uh, oh, sorry, last year against Clemson, double overtime. They lost 51 to 45. He was 20 of 29 for 337 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. Now, that's not peak Clemson anymore. But if he can come out and do something like that against Ohio State, Ohio State's in trouble. I just think that Ohio State defensively can disrupt him more than that.
1: Part of the reason I wanted to do this exercise was I think there is a line of guys, once these rankings figured out, of here are the guys who beat Ohio State and they're at least 40, 45 percent of the reason why they beat Ohio State. Trevor Lawrence in that Fiesta Bowl, the 67-yard run in this first half is where momentum started to shift, but then he also made some other plays along the way. I mean, Baker Mayfield's entire Heisman campaign started in Columbus with the way he played in that game while also planting a flag in the middle of Ohio Stadium. Devontae Smith is the reason number one, and he's reason number two, and he's reason number three that Alabama did what it did to Ohio State. Reason number four is Ohio State was missing some key pieces on that defense because that was COVID year. You can make a case that reason number five is Mac Jones was just super efficient. And he was that entire year. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist that year as well. And then I also had J.J. McCarthy above Sam Hartman because I think J.J. McCarthy made plays last year in that Ohio State-Michigan game. As much as it was about Ohio State giving up some explosive plays, as much as it was about Ohio State only scoring three points in the second half, J.J. McCarthy lived up to the bargain and did his part to help Michigan win that game as well. I think that top five has a reason for why they beat Ohio State. They have a case. I don't know if Sam Hartman is going to be the reason that Notre Dame beats Ohio State if that happens on Saturday. And that's why, for me, I had to put them in that bottom five who weren't necessarily – they were good, but they're not the reasons why. Nate Stanley, David Blau, Anthony Brown, and Kay McNamara are not the reasons why those teams beat Ohio State in those given years.
2: But to me, the, the reason this list is really interesting is because you don't have to be in that top four or five to beat true. good Ohio State teams. That's and true. It's and in and, and all of these cases down here, Anthony Brown didn't beat Ohio State. I mean, he beat Ohio State, but he didn't beat Ohio State. Like the running mm-hmm. game beat Ohio State that day. Uh, you know, Cade McNamara in twenty twenty one didn't beat Ohio State. That was largely Michigan's defense setting the tone mm-hmm. there, and they made some plays on offense. Obviously, um, uh, Nate Stanley didn't. I know he threw five touchdowns that day, but you can also point to having the two tight NFL ends. tight ends. Yeah. You can point to some of the plays I was making on defense that day. Mm-hmm. David Blau, who is a now kind of journeyman backup guy in the NFL, didn't beat Ohio State that day. It was a lot. You know, Ronda Moore was the best player on the field, arguably, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not even sure. Arguably, no, he was for sure. I mean, and I'm I'm including for that day. I think I would include. People like Chase Young in that conversation for that day. Like Rondo Moore was insanely good that for sure. day, and it was it was the highlight of a, a career that never reached those those heights again. But it, Blau himself was not the one winning that game; it was him using the tools. So I think there's there's two things to me that are instructive from that. Number one is that I you if you're Ohio State, I think you have to be worried about other vulnerabilities in some ways more than you're worried about um Sam Hartman at this point I don't think you look at Sam Hartman as the guy who's gonna go out and just carve you up and like you walk away at the end of the game you're like well, what chance did we have to beat that like that's not I don't think what anybody looks at with Sam Hartman you would sometimes say like oh Trevor Lawrence like he was just better like he's just mm-hmm. you know, Baker Mayfield I actually put Mayfield higher than Lawrence on my list and that only because I think in college Mayfield was amazing and uh You know, those guys sometimes had those days where they they just were in it. I don't think anybody expects Howell to be able to do that. But if if your offensive line is so vulnerable that you can't get your own offense going the right way, if we were uh, misled by what we've seen defensively these first three games, and especially against the run, if Notre Dame starts gouging you out, the things we were saying before about Ohio State trying to establish a run, Notre Dame, probably tried to do some of those same things and the same concepts apply. If Ohio state has to start overcorrecting against the run that leaves them vulnerable downfield. Like it's, I, I think if it's the conversation we've been having all week about not wanting to put too much on common cords plate mm-hmm. in terms of making him have to be the hero. And I think if what makes what well, the reason Ohio state lost to Purdue and to Iowa and to Oregon had very little to do with the play of the opposing quarterback it had to do with deficiencies Ohio State had that made them vulnerable in any number of ways.
1: So Andrew, I'm assuming that you would push Hartman up with that first five in terms of he can be the reason why Notre Dame wins.
0: Yes, but the the thing the thing for me was that like when I when I looked at that list, I was like those the top three quarterbacks pretty clearly could beat Ohio State like if they had to by themselves. Like I I thought that those guys like if, if it came down to it. They could beat them. The thing with Hartman, it goes a little bit with what Nathan was saying, where it's like if if the game relies on Sam Hartman to win the game, like if Notre Dame's running game is not firing and Notre Dame has to rely and look at rely on and look at Sam Hartman and say, Hey man, this is why we got you. Go sling it around the yard, that I don't think that's gonna work. Like you have to have a married run game together. So I don't. I don't know if I would phrase it like that. Like I, I think that he needs help. Like Sam Hartman is not one of those guys who walks out there and he's just going to beat Ohio State because he's Sam Hartman or he has the ability to do that. Like he needs some help. So I. I don't know if I would phrase it like that. I, I think frankly that if Notre Dame can run the ball effectively, effectively, then Sam. Then you might look at it and say, "Oh, Sam Hartman beat Ohio State." But those two things have to happen, I think, for that to for for us to be having this conversation on Sunday.
1: So is Audric Estime Hartman's Rondell Moore or Noah Vedrel in this situation?
2: He's not his his Rondell Moore, I wouldn't say. I Uh, mean, that's uh, also like like, like, Rondell Mill touched God that day. Yeah, that was a different level. But
1: just what he means. A little bit, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But just the concept of what he is. Until more touch. more touch. There is a highlight dang. of him being tackled <laughs> oh, know, by I've three people. Oh, yeah. And somehow it ends up in an explosive play. I don't know how he did it. But you you get what I'm getting at here, where it's Ron like Moore God Hartman God. might, if they win on Saturday, Hartman's gonna have the stats, just like all these quarterbacks did. But anybody who would have watched the game would have gone, Yeah, this guy just got the stats. But here is the guy who is actually the reason why. Team X walked away with a win, whether you're talking about Iowa's tight ends, whether you're talking about Rondell Miller, whether you're talking about Devontae Smith, you know, on that, whether you're talking about for Cade McNamara, Hassan Haskins having five touchdown runs in that game. Is is that what Andre estimates role is in this situation? Maybe, but to
0: beat a team like Ohio State, Batman has to have his Robin like, you kind of need, you, you you like, especially with, like, when we're talking about this tier of people, I think if, if Trevor Lawrence was the quarterback, if college Trevor Lawrence was the quarterback of Notre Dame, we'd be like, all right, yeah, Trevor Lawrence can go beat Ohio State. Like, that's, you know, he absolutely has that ability. But when you get into this tier, like I said, Batman needs his Robin, and you need a sidekick to do this. So he would be the likeliest candidate. But I also don't know if you don't need, like, two or three Robins. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if, like, I think that to beat Ohio state, Notre Dame needs Audric estimate a run for like 5.3 yards of carry or something like that. But I also think that they might need like Tobias Merriweather to catch like one 50 plus yard catch, or, you know, you have Jaden Thomas, you know, make seven catches for 95 yards. Like, I think you need something else just now. If Ohio or if Notre Dame had like Emeka Buka, okay, then then I can say, yeah, that's a that's a one-two punch that can do this. I just don't know if Estime, unless like unless we're talking Notre Dame does what they did to Clemson last year. You know, a Clemson. I mentioned this on a pod before this week. A Clemson front that had two first-round picks, a third-round linebacker, another fifth-round defensive end. Like, unless you think Notre Dame going to do that. To Ohio State's defense, which I do not, then I think you need some kind of other tertiary option. If if Notre Dame's going to win this one, uh,
2: to me also, it's I, I like I liked Estimate things I've seen from him on film. I think he's a uh, he's got both like some some grind to him, but also like that that burst that that you want to see. And he, I, I think he's a, a pretty good runner. But to me, it's more about let, let's go back and look at the 2018 game that we've referenced now, that Purdue game. Ohio State had two sort of season-long issues that year. And it was the defense. The Defense was just like the worst Ohio State defense in the last, I mean, like I think like, ever. Like it was a really bad, by Ohio State standard, bad defense. I'm not telling anybody, listen to this, anything they don't know. And they'd like me to stop talking about it right now. But also there were some offensive, as much yards as that offense put up that year, there were some little, foibles that it had like or little problems that it had and the red zone was one of them and Ohio State had chances early in that game to get in the end zone didn't do it and it opened the door for the avalanche that came later when Purdue just kind of got its head up and things just started rolling in its favor and that's the kind of the thing I have in the back of my mind for this game is that if the if Notre Dame can exploit what is still a not settled a completely uh, functioning offensive line for Ohio state. If Notre Dame exploits that in some way and it costs Ohio state points early in a game where it should have built a bigger lead. Now you've left the back door open and you're vulnerable to losing this down the stretch. That's kind of what I have more in my mind. I don't know that it's necessarily that I look at outside of maybe what Hartman could conjure in just like the best game of his career. I don't look at necessarily anybody else on that from that skill position group for Notre Dame and, and think, oh, that's a guy that is just going to toast you. Um, But as we also saw in 2021 with Oregon, as good as those running backs were, it was really more of a schematic thing that was able to pick out a vulnerability again and attack it. And I don't think we see that schematic vulnerability right now for Ohio State's defense. But this is the kind of game that would maybe expose it more um, than any of the first three that they played.
1: I think that brings us full circle. I think the top four... Whatever order you want to put them in, Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, Mac Jones, Stetson Bennett went toe-to-toe with the best Ohio State had to offer. Now, 2020, I, I'm going to – obviously, has an asterisk because we're dealing with – but that's real-world stuff. That's not strictly just a football thing. Everybody was dealing with that. But those four guys beat really, really good Ohio State teams whose flaws weren't the reason they lost. They just lost because they had a they – they weren't the better team that day. And that happens sometimes when you're playing big boy football. Six through nine, excluding Sam Hartman, they beat Ohio State because they took advantage of something that has been a problem for Ohio State all year long, combined with they had somebody else who was a teammate of theirs who also came along in a way that was dominant. As I mentioned earlier, Tut Scott, whether it's Rondell Moore doing it to the highest of you could possibly do it, or Hassan Haskins in the five touchdowns, Noah Vedro breaking for runs. But they all, all, as much as it was about them, it was also about something Ohio State wasn't doing. So that's where I think Sam Hartman comes in. I think Sam Hartman is a good quarterback. You two think Sam Hartman is a good quarterback. But I think all three of us agree that he isn't in that group where they can be, he can beat an Ohio State team that doesn't have an inherent flaw. Which brings us to the Ohio State point in this. Does Ohio State have an inerrant flaw that
2: Sam Hartman can take advantage of? Well, like I said, I think it's just if Ohio State can't maximize what it is offensively. I, I don't think defensively mm. right now. I look at Ohio State and think this team is is has an opening that seems obvious to me. Even if they don't get the height of the pass rush that we think they would get. Um, even if they occasionally give up something D as you will to a team that to a quarterback, this good, like they'll give up an explosive play here or there a 20 something yard play here or there uh, at the very least. Um, I, I just don't see a, a cratering vulnerability from the defense through these first three games. In fact, I think it's possible that we could come out of this game thinking, Oh, that this is what we thought about. Maybe the defense being a catalyst for how good this team ultimately will be is even more true. Now, maybe, um, I still think it's the other thing. I think it's if Ohio state is not maximizing its offensive opportunities and that leaves an opportunity for Hartman to be just good enough to slip by. him.
0: To point out a weakness, I mean, or, or an area that Notre Dame could exploit, I would have to say it's the interior of the, the line like, and, and as weird as that might sound like, cause you, you just kind of map this out, right? Like, Do you think that JT Tumaloao and Jack Sawyer versus Joe Alton, Blake Fisher, like if you're Ohio State and you're Notre Dame, obviously you want to win that, but I don't know if you're really going to have a noticeable advantage over over that. Like, Like let's say Notre Dame's tackles get the best of Ohio State's defensive ends. I don't think it's going to be something where you look at it at the end of the game and go, wow man, those guys look really good and vice versa. Like they, it might show up on like a sack or two, but I'm just not sure that it's going to be a dominant performance either way. Like I just, I I think that just kind of calling that a draw almost like, I, I think that that is kind of where I'm, I'm leaning that, you know, that might play to a draw on the edges of the offensive line on the interior is where I think Notre Dame has to try and exploit this because If you can get that draw on the edges, then the interior is where you might be able to make some hay because then you set up the play action pass. We've talked about this a lot. Notre Dame will play action with Sam Hartman. They'll go over the top, et cetera, et cetera, and they'll they'll do all those things. I think if Notre Dame gets a push up the middle, then that really can set off everything that Notre Dame... I look like, look at like, I'm, I'm looking at this game a little bit like Ohio state comes into it and they really don't have to unlock anything. They can just kind of run their offense from play one and not really worry about anything. Notre Dame has like a chest within a chest type of thing where like the first key unlocks the chest and then you've got to get to the second key, which unlocks the second chest. And then you get to what the offense can be and the fully functioning. This is what the offense looks like. And it has to start with running the ball. And then you can get to the play action pass. And then all of a sudden now Notre Dame is kind of they're running what they want and they're running effectively and they're and they're passing effectively and they're doing the things that they want to do. So for me, if if, if Notre Dame gets a push up the middle and their guards can prove that they can hang with Ohio State's interior defensive line, then Ohio State is going to have some some difficulties, I think, just because, you know, Audric Estime, I mean, he's 230 pounds. And all of a sudden, if Notre Dame's, you know, if Notre Dame's running the ball effectively and then you then you kind of have to make that decision. Well, do we drop some more people off in the the passing game because now Sam Hartman's being able to cook a little bit or do we have to put guys up because 230 pounds, I don't like 230 pounds running full steam at you is a really tough thing to stop. So I I don't know. I I think the
1: interior is where I would look and
0: say if that is won by Notre Dame, Ohio State's going to have some issues.
1: Okay, per usual with the Friday pod, it's time for Nathan and Andrew to say goodbye for a little bit. They'll be back, though. It's t time. I think this is – this one's going to be very interesting because there's a lot of good prop bets out there. There's a lot of stuff to talk betting-wise with this Ohio State-Notre Dame game that just wasn't on the table the first three weeks just because of the level their opponent they were playing. So when we come back, Nathan and Andrew will be gone, and t will join me here on Buckeye Talk. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle.
0: A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans.
3: After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: And we're back on Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means and Tishu is with us. And Tishu, we actually have a real game to talk about, which means we've got. A boatload of bets. You teased people on Twitter that you have four for us, so let's start there. Four best bets for Ohio State versus Notre Dame this weekend.
3: Yeah, I I did. I tweeted it. got Got a great response. I think people are are excited for this game. Excited to to have some action on it as well. Uh, I spent the afternoon kind of combing through DraftKings and FanDuel to see what kind of piqued my interest because you know as I've talked about before, there's generally not a ton of value betting. You know, just the game side or the game total um, mm-hmm. on these on these high profile games, I would lean to Ohio State minus three like that. This is actually like as close as I'm going to get to to betting Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, laying points with Ohio State with the small of the spread. I project the game at five and a half. But the angle that I'm going to take here, the more I thought about this game, the angle that I'm going to take is I'm going to take the Notre Dame team total under twenty nine and a half. Uh, I, I can't remember if that was on Fan or DraftKings, but it was. It was available on on one of those books that that pretty much everyone has. So that's Notre Dame team total under twenty nine and a half. I project them at like twenty five ish points, which in football scoring probably is going to be like a twenty four. Uh, so that that's my first bet. So let I'll get your thoughts there, and then I'll, I'll rattle off these these other props that I like. <laughs> so okay, I
1: am I am living out on an island then with my I, I'll tease it because they they don't know it yet. But I, I wh- why. Why so high on Notre Dame? And I don't even know if it's high, but it it's in general, why is Vegas and you, because you just said your line is what, five and a half? So yeah. why is this game being viewed as so close, even though we know what the talent gap is between these two programs?
3: Yeah, I think I think a couple of things. I mean, and I tweeted this earlier today, uh Thursday afternoon as well. Like, I think there's this perception that Ohio state hasn't played anybody and somehow because Notre Dame played Navy on national TV uh, and played at NC state, that that's somehow like that much better than what Ohio state's done. Mm -hmm. Now I will say, you know, by my numbers, NC state is the best opponent that either of these teams have played. No doubt about it. However, though, you know, that that's the great thing about, you know, my model is I can opponent adjust and and grade performances according to, you know, how good or bad a a team is. And I, I tweeted earlier, Youngstown state is better than, Central Michigan, who mm-hmm. um, Notre Dame beat, you know, forty-one seventeen last week. They're better than Oklahoma State, so I I say that to to put in the context. Like if Ohio State had beaten Oklahoma State thirty-five to seven, everyone's like, "Man, Ohio State, it's awesome." But because of the name on the jersey was Youngstown State, and mm-hmm. they're an FCS team, just because people you know aren't familiar with it, they just dismiss it, and and the numbers don't indicate that that's accurate at this point. That makes me feel
1: better about what my game score is because the, the, <laughs> that aspect of beating, not really beating up on an FCS team the way you maybe you should have beaten up on an FCS team is maybe hurting Ohio State going into this game. And I am wondering, and this is off the cuff, Ohio State goes in here and handles this business. Let's just say it, it wins, and it wins in a way that's – let's say it wins by 14 points. How does that change perception for Ohio State in some of this betting going forward if we see the offense that we were expecting to see anyway?
3: Yeah, I so that that's a good point with the offense. I, that's that's kind of the other piece of this. I think is that most people tuned into the the opener against Indiana and and saw the the Youngstown State game, and then like after those two games, which keep in mind they were still trying to figure out the quarterback situation, mm-hmm. so the offense wasn't smooth or, or in a rhythm. And I don't I don't even think the quarterbacks knew who was going to be the guy from series to series. Last week, that wasn't the case. You know, you don't want to make too much of one game, but I I did think there was a noticeable difference in just the rhythm that the offense had with Kyle McCord, understanding that he's the guy, and and I think he played better. And I think even when Devin Brown got in, kind of knowing his role, he played better. You know, he mm-hmm. made he made that great touchdown throw to Carnell Tate. So I think the offense is in a much better rhythm. So getting back to the point here, I think this is the the low point of the Ohio State stock. I, I often yeah. talk about betting in terms of like being a you know a day trader. I'm buying the Ohio state stock this week because I think after this week, it's going to go back to a premium price and and it's going to be hard to find value on Ohio state moving forward. So that's best bet. Number one, best bet. Number two. So I found some props here that I like, you know, Mayan Williams for all intents and purposes is the number three back now. I know Ryan day didn't want to go that far this week when you guys talked to him, but one thing that Mayan Williams does is he's a touchdown vulture. And when they get in the red zone, he's the guy that they force feed. So I'm uh, Fanduel had Mayan Williams anytime touchdown. So if he if Mayan Williams scores a touchdown at any point in the game, plus two ten odds. So better than two to one odds here that Mayan Williams scores a touchdown. I think Ohio State's going to be able to move the ball, and I think when they get in the red zone, Mayan Williams is probably the guy they're going to turn to because he's you know shown a propensity to be able to punch those things in the end zone. So at two to one odds here, I, I really like that. I do too. (laughs) <laughs> I think that is.
1: I think we. I think we. We talked about this earlier on Buckeye Talk. That's kind of his role now. It's. I, yep. I don't. I don't think it's a. I think Travion Henderson is running back one, mm-hmm. and then running back two just might depend on the scenario, whether yep. you want to go chip or mine. I like that bet a lot as well. What's bet? Best bet number three.
3: Number three. So again, I. The more I thought about this game, and like, I do think Ohio State's going to cover, but you know, again. It's about finding the best value from that angle, and one angle that that I did like here, I just Ohio State's my number two ranked defense now in in the country behind Mm -hmm. only Georgia, and using just the on field data, you know opponent adjusted, accounting for the fact that they've played who they've played, Ohio State would be the number one defense in the country. Mm -hmm. So I I really just think, you know, I've watched all of Notre Dame's games uh, except Tennessee State, but I, I do think they're going to have. A hard time scoring so we've got a notre dame team total under i like sam hartman under one and a half touchdown passes at plus 135 odds i i think i think denzel burke is, is playing at an all-american you know at, at the very least an all-big-ten level but i think an all-american level at, at corner right now as long as lathan ransom and and josh proctor are are healthy and <laughs> you know doing Playing their roles, I, yeah. I I think this Notre Dame team is going to have a hard time putting points on the board, and I I really struggle to see a scenario where they score thirty on Ohio State. So I, I I'm going to take um I'm going to take Sam Hartman under one and a half touchdown passes here. I just want our listeners because we're going to make
1: our game picks after the break here after we're done with Tishu. I want our listeners to know that Tishu is not alone with some of his thinking on Notre Dame. And you'll find out more later on in this pod why that is the case. I am not as in on Sam Hartman as on Sam Hartman as maybe some other people are. Best bet number four.
3: All right, last one. We're you know we were two zero last week. Marv cashed his uh, over ninety nine yeah. receiving yards in, in the second quarter, so that was a nice sweat free win for us. Um, I'm going back to Marv here, but not in a receiving yards capacity. Marv to score two plus touchdowns is plus three eighty. Um, I, I again, I can't remember which book, DraftKings or FanDuel, one of them had it at plus three eighty. As a matter, as a matter of fact, I think they both had them plus three eighty. So this this is a game. I'm not sure that Marv's going to have maybe a ton of yards n- necessarily. I think I think maybe Amecha gets those out of the slot more. But I do think this is a scenario where Marv's going to be able to dominate in in the red zone. Uh, you know, similar to kind of how he did in that in that Utah Rose Bowl was kind of how right. I envision it. Uh, you know, kind of his coming out party where he had three touchdowns. I didn't I didn't go that bold with the, the three-plus touchdowns, but I do think he can score twice here. And at plus 380, I'll, I'll take a gamble on it. it, it this would seem like
1: – I mean, we've talked about it, the Ryan Day-Georgia aspect of this, and is he going to call plays and be aggressive like that? Well, that meant force-feeding Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin had, what, like five for 110 and two touchdowns by halftime? So I, I'm with you. I'm, this is the game where you would probably want your best receiver to be involved – early and often obviously they missed out on that opportunity last year because jackson smith the jig, but went down 10 snaps into the season but i'm with you on that one there's a couple more i want to throw at you as well just to get your idea on this this is this is what happens when you have an interesting game guys everybody can get it <laughs> on the prop bets you brought up the ameka point i was looking at DraftKings; they have a prop bet for him 72 and a half uh receiving yards in this game and you made the point of Marvin might not get the yards, but he'll get the touchdowns because you think they might just get it to Emeka Apuka more in the slot. Is that not telling you to tell me which way I should bet, obviously, in this situation? But what do you think of that over and under for Emeka Apuka in a game like this at a position like the slot that is used habitually in Ohio State's offense?
3: Yeah, I I think I think that that's a solid bet. I, I actually looked at um, the anytime touchdown for Mecca too, because I think there were pretty decent odds there. Um, so I, I do expect uh, the receivers to to have a good game, but Emeka in particular, because I think Ryan Day's, you know, he, he talked about, you know, having put too much on CJ's plate in that Oregon game. I don't necessarily think that means they're going to throw it less. I just think that means, you know, he's not going to have Kyle taking, you know, huge dropbacks, trying to wait for plays to develop, you know, four or five seconds down the field, I think it's going to be a lot of quick stuff and quick stuff is going to benefit Mecca And mecca is great at taking those short slants and turning them into, you know, 40, 50, 60 yards. So I, I like that. I mean, to be honest, it wouldn't shock me if he got that on, on one play. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fair as well. Ohio State right now on your index
1: is second. And I believe in Notre Dame is 11th. Yep. By your math, that's typically how you p- go about having your game predictions. What's your game prediction for Ohio State Notre
3: Dame? Yeah, I'm going to soften my numbers a little bit because I don't think my numbers or odds makers have have caught up to how good the Ohio State defense is. So I'm going to trim a little bit off because my num my projection technically, I project 57 total points here. I'm actually going to shave that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Ohio State 31, Notre Dame 24. So that, that's okay. that's an Ohio State cover and. Right at the uh, the that yeah. that's currently set right now, so <laughs> no no real no real play on the total. But like I said, I I just I think that when you think of game script and how the game might go, I think there's multiple ways the game can go, and we still cash you know a lot of these bets. I the scenario of Notre Dame scoring a bunch and it being a shootout and Ohio State not covering, I I I don't see that scenario out there. I I, I think if if Notre Dame is going to keep this competitive, they're going to have to keep this thing, try to keep it in the 20s or below. I don't, I don't think they have a chance to win a shootout. That was fun. We need more games like this
1: so we can have more fun like that. That's T.C. Listen, every week he teaches me more and more and more because I know very little. That's not. I know a little bit. I just don't know a lot about betting. Thank you, T.C., once again for joining us. When we come back from this break, Nathan and Andrew will rejoin us and we'll give you our game picks for Ohio State versus Notre Dame when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. And we're back on Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. And it's time to make our game predictions. Andrew, I'm going to let you go first. Right now, the line is Ohio State minus three, and the over-under is 55 and a half. Which game score? So I'm going to say
0: Ohio State 30, Notre Dame 20. And my reasoning for that might sound counterintuitive for kind of the score that I just gave because I think Ohio state's going to cover. I think Ohio state's going to win by two possessions. I think Ohio state is going to, in a way that is similar to last year's game, go into the second half. Like at at halftime of last year, I think that there was a little bit of a narrative of like, can, can Notre Dame actually do this? I think at halftime this year, it's going to be more of a Notre Dame, can actually do this. It's going to be a little bit more affirmative, but I think Notre Dame just doesn't have the type of talent that Ohio State has. Um, I think that that's going to show out down the stretch. Uh, I do think, though, that this is going to be a closer game than the score might indicate and that some people um, uh, might might think. Like, I think that there is kind of this thought that if Ohio state lets it rip, they're going to win by 40. Like I think that, you know, I saw this on Twitter a lot, you know, right after Ryan day said that. And, and I just don't know if that's true. So I looked up some numbers, uh, since 2012, Notre Dame has played 14 top 10 games. Uh, they are five and nine in those games. Last year they played two, four and six Ohio state Clemson and USC. They lost Ohio state and USC by 11 and they beat Clemson by 21. Um, now, granted, those were where those teams were ranked at the time. Uh, but they're 5-9, and nine, and, like, that's not overly great. But they typically play these games close. Um, as I look through their schedule, um, you know, over the last couple of years, they lost the Georgia team that lost in the national championship to Alabama. Notre Dame lost to them by one. Uh, the In 2019, Notre Dame lost to Georgia by six. They lost to Georgia in 2015 on a two-point conversion at the end. Like, if, if you kind of go back in over the last, you know, 10 years or so. Notre Dame hangs tight in these games because they get up for these games. Like this is Notre Dame's not Super Bowl, but this is Notre Dame's like proving party, right? Like this is their, this is our proof of concept game, like I said the other day. So I think Notre Dame's going to come out really fired up. I think that they're going to keep this game close. Marcus Freeman has kind of proven in like a year that you can think he might not be. A great coach, you can think that he might not have what it takes to last at Notre Dame, whatever. I think he has kind of proven that he can get his team up to play big games. Um, they were, they hang around, they hung around with Ohio State. They beat Clemson. They hung around with USC last year. And that was with a quarterback, uh, two quarterbacks really, who transferred to different programs and are now at best second on the depth chart. Um, so I think Notre Dame's going to hang around this one. Ohio State's going to get a late score in a uh, in, in an otherwise one-possession game to make this one look a little bit worse than it is. But I think this one's going to be really close. It's going to go down to the wire. It's going to go down to the fourth quarter. And Ohio State is just going to make one or two more plays just because they have a couple extra dudes on the team that, frankly, Notre Dame does not.
1: So, Nathan, what's your score?
2: Uh, I'm taking Ohio State 31-23. <laughs> to 23. That would be covering the three but coming in under – the total right now and what I keep coming back to is last season when Ohio State didn't have explosive problems on the defense um, when it wasn't giving up explosive plays that were resulting in touchdowns it was doing a fairly good job of keeping teams off the scoreboard that it didn't give up a lot of sustained drives and I feel like this is a that is instructive because I think that this defense is better than last year's was. I think Sam Hartman is a good quarterback and I think that he is going to be able to move the ball at times against Ohio State. I just don't know how often he's going to be able to complete drives and get all the way to the end zone. And I I I think that this offense, this Ohio State offense, as you're looking at things like the betting lines and stuff that are out there right now, I I just I don't know if 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 they're giving full weight to the process that was playing out in these first games that probably affected the efficiency and those things. I also think it's possible that last week's blowout of Western Kentucky was a little bit of fool's gold, that it didn't necessarily tell us that this offensive line is ready for something like this. It certainly doesn't tell us a whole lot about what Kyle McCord will be like playing on the road against a team like Notre Dame as opposed to playing, you know, he's never done this at this level, played a game of this caliber against an opponent of this caliber in a stadium that wasn't Ohio Stadium. So having said all of that, I echo a lot of more, maybe the baseline of what Andrew's saying is that I think Ohio it's just the more talented team and I think some of the experiences that they've been through in the last year, such as the Georgia-Michigan kind of mindset switch that they went through, I think they can carry something from that into this game. So I'm going to take them by a, a a full eight points. And um, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if we saw another tier of Ohio State show up in a game like this. And it's not really uh, anything about Notre Dame. I think it could just be that what we saw in those first couple of weeks from Ohio State was not... From especially from an offensive standpoint, was just not the true identity of this team. So
1: that's two covers so far. Well, one person taking the over, another person taking the under. I'm also going to take the over, and I'm going to take Ohio State to cover. And But I'm not with you guys. I think you guys are creating a much more competitive game than I am. I'm going 45 to 13, and it's because Ohio State's offense, when it's rocking on all cylinders, eventually has that quarter where it just goes Golden State Warriors third quarter mode where it's just like a barrage of points. And we saw that for the first time against Western Kentucky. I agree with you. There was a little bit about the Western Kentucky game that was fool's gold, but I think that's more in the running game than it is in the passing game. And, but I don't think the barrage of points they had in the second quarter is fool's gold because we're five years into Ryan Day being the head coach here, and that's always been the case. There's two games that come to my mind with why I picked the score that I picked. And it's 2019 Nebraska, and it's 2021 Michigan State. And in both of those situations, with Nebraska, it, there's a lot of similarities. There. Now, Nebraska wasn't undefeated going into that 2019 game, so they had already disappointed us a little bit. But there was this thought with Nebraska going into that year that, okay, they played Ohio State tough the year before that at Ohio State. They've got Adrian Martinez, this young quarterback, who might be ready to take that next step. Here comes Nebraska finally ready to live up to its end of the bargain in the Big Ten West. And then Ohio State went in there, and it was a hurricane in the first half, and they never looked back. And the game was over before you even blinked. The same thing happened in the 2021 Michigan State game. That was a top 10 matchup, maybe top five at that point in 2021. And Ohio State came out, blitzed them early, and they never looked back. And I thought that Michigan State team was really good. They just could not keep up with Ohio State's offense whatsoever, and they could never bounce back from that. I think that's on the table with this Ohio State-Notre Dame game where it's this defense is just up for it. And whether it's JT Tuimaloau, Mike Hall, Jack Sawyer, Denzel Burke, keep the names listing. Somebody does something in those first two Notre Dame drives where it gives Ohio State the ball And now they're up 14 to nothing. And I've always said this. The scariest place for a team who is not one of maybe the three best teams in college football to be in is down 14 to nothing with Ohio State getting the ball back. Because now you're in danger of this game being over. And I think that scenario might play out where Ohio State jumps on them early, scores twice. Maybe the defense creates a turnover, and now it's a 21-point lead before we even look back. So it's not because I don't think Notre Dame is any good. I think they're a quality team. I just think Ohio State might pounce on them early and Notre Dame won't have anything to be able to answer with it with. So 45 to 13 for me, that's Ohio State covering and that's me taking the over as we see Ohio State's offense be what we've expected it to be for a couple of weeks now. But we're actually seeing it's a quality opponent. So that's three covers for Ohio State. Two overs and one under. Those are our picks for the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. Ohio State playing in South Bend at 7.30 on NBC and Peacock. If you want to watch it on stream, you can see it there. So those are our picks here on Buckeye Talk.
0: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild
1: Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days,
0: but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar.
1: So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. So let's wrap this up. Any It's Friday as people are listening to it. We're at the end of the week. The next time we talk will be after the game. Any just lingering thoughts that anybody has
2: of things they're interested in as we head into Saturday's game. Floor is yours. We, sh- we, we should let people know. Um, this, this is my first time going to Notre Dame Stadium since... I was trying to remember the other day. We were talking about this with some other guys on the beat before Wednesday interviews. I don't remember what year it was I was helping cover Purdue and went up there. Because they used to play every year. Uh, but it's been... Well over, I think, a decade since I've been up there. So, it, so I, was Sam not... Hartman still in school?
1: <laughs>
0: no, he was
2: not yet. He was not yet quarterbacking Wake Forest at the time. Um, but uh, they are kicking everybody out of that stadium immediately. Like... You get, I think it may be an hour after the press conference end, and you have to vacate, and you can't do stand ups. I don't think from inside Notre Dame Stadium. I think I saw an alert that we got or Seriously? something like that. But anyway, so I'm just telling everybody our multimedia situation might be a little bit off the usual practice this weekend. We and it's a night game, so you guys know the usual routine from night games is maybe that pod doesn't get up till. Early in the next morning, and that's just how it goes. But it's going to probably be a truncated Buckeye talk that night because we're going to be recording it in a car or something, and then we'll come back Monday with a, a bigger something after we get to rewatch the game and, and things like that. But um, just letting everybody know to uh, if there's a if there's a delay or it seems like we had to go short uh, for that mo- Sunday morning pod, that's why. Blame Notre Dame. That's a fair point. That's true. It might be like a twenty-minute Buckeye talk, and then we come back Monday morning
1: with a more in-depth view of things. Andrew, anything else you want to get off your chest? Any announcements, public service announcements? Here, (laughs)
0: well, no. I mean, we'll be at Milan Graham's game on Friday night. um, in in Fort Wayne. Um, So subscribe to the text. Uh, It's a great time to sign up. Uh, You know, you get. uh, I'm trying to mimic Stephen here. It's a great time to sign up. You get two weeks free. Uh, You know, we want to recommend it right now because again, you're going to get all of our updates from. Ohio, One of Ohio State's potentially next great wide receivers. Uh, so Stephen and I will be on the sidelines um, for that game. We will be giving you updates from that. And then obviously, 24 hours later, we will be uh, staring at the Golden Dome and touchdown Jesus as we cover Ohio State. Um, so that's my announcement. I have a question for Stephen. And not to keep people longer than they should be here. Fuck, I talk. I'm just curious. like Because Stephen Steven said... Over the course of the week, and, and it obviously culminated with him predicting Ohio State to win by 32 points. I'm just curious, where would you rank, of the 12 teams that Ohio State is scheduled to play, where would you rank Notre Dame?
1: Ooh, that's a really, because, really, really Because good I think question.
0: that this is going to be really illuminating as to what you
1: think of Ohio State the rest of the season. I think Michigan's better. Okay. I think Penn State is better. Okay. My opinion of Wisconsin has waned a little bit. I think that's more about Luke Fickle getting his second shot at Ohio State and his own backyard – well, not his own backyard, but at home than it is about Wisconsin being good enough. I think mm-hmm. they're the third best team on their schedule. Okay.
0: okay my, my, the thing that I was going to respond with that was, like, I think Notre Dame is the second best team that Ohio State's going to play. I, I think I would, I would take Notre Dame over Penn State. It's close. Um, I would t- – my – Whatever, in, whatever, half-hearted enthusiasm I had for Wisconsin, you're right, has kind of waned a little bit. Um, so I think that there's a clear kind of top three on the schedule, and frankly, there's probably like a top one, and then you get to the second
2: tier with Notre Dame and so Penn State. That, so why Notre Dame over Penn State though? Is that is that yeah. Sam Hartman mostly?
0: It's Sam Hartman mostly. Yeah, I I, I like Sam Hartman because like Penn State's running game is actually better. Um, you know, at, at least in terms of their running backs, they're better. Sure. Um, you know, Kate, K. Allen, Nick Singleton, um, th- those guys are really good. Um, so Penn State's running game is really good. They've got some talent on defense, um, you know, like some individual talent that I don't know if, especially in the front seven that I don't know if Notre Dame has, but Notre Dame, like again, I've mentioned this a couple of times, like Notre Dame's secondary is actually, I think sneaky good. Um, like Benjamin Morrison, like people are talking about Benjamin Morrison as being a 2012, what year would this be? Like a 2025 first round pick. Um, you know, th- like that's kind of where his projection or his projection and trajectory kind of has him going. Um, their number two corner, Cam Hart, he's probably a late round pick this year. If he plays well on Saturday, he might elevate himself a little bit more to maybe mid-round pick, third, fourth round pick. Um, so I, I don't know. I th- I think Notre Dame's secondary is really good. And I think Joe Alts, the best tackle in the country. I think that they just kind of have some, some dudes on that offensive line that, that Penn state does not have. Um, like I, I whoa, was talking. Whoa,
1: that's not true.
0: Well, the I, only I guy think- in the
1: conversation to be the first tackle taken off the board plays for Penn state. And that's yeah, Olu Yeah. And I think Alts better than Olu Fashano. Yeah. But just, but that, that's a different thing than saying that they don't have anybody who's the same
0: well, th- caliber. so Okay. So let me, let me rephrase that. I think that, Notre Dame as a whole is better on the offensive line than Penn state is. Um, so, and, and the thing that I would say, the the reason that I asked that question to Steven was because like, I don't know if like, if Notre Dame does go out there and lose 45 to 13, like if Steven's right and he's throwing, Celebrity, or not a celebrity, if he's throwing like a party in the uh, in whatever car we have, I don't care. I don't care that much. 45 13, you deserve to have your little 10 second moment. No,
1: because that's not the same as the party I threw when Ohio State scored 45 points over in the first (laughs) half because that was just more about getting an outrageous (laughs) prediction correctly. I don't care that much. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm non biased on who actually wins the game.
0: No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like you got the score correct. You uh, got the you got the like you you actually you accurately predicted Ohio State to score forty five and Notre Dame to score thirteen. That's what yeah, it meant. Yeah. Um, my my question, like, I don't know if if that happens, I don't know how much I would think. Frankly, like, I still think Notre Dame's like a top twelve team in the country. Like, I still think that they, depending on how this game goes, they might be a top ten team in the country. And like, if Ohio State wins this game big, like. I don't know. I think that that says more about kind of how far ahead of the pack Ohio State is. Again, it kind of reaffirms that. Then it says that, man, maybe Notre Dame is just not that good. Like, I don't know. Like, I, like if Ohio State wins this game by four touchdowns, I'm not going to look at Notre Dame and be like, oh, well, maybe just Notre Dame wasn't that good, and we have to really wait till Ohio State plays Penn State. I, I just kind of look at this, and I'm like, man, Ohio State just might be a war machine this year. Like, that's kind of the way that I looked at it. And I was just curious as to your opinion because – if you thought Notre Dame was fourth on your list, that I think that that score would make a little bit of sense, um, or at least more like that would make more sense to me, um, you know. But that, yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm intrigued to see kind of what happens um, after these two games, after this game is played
1: with both these team seasons. I think that it's a combination of I don't believe in Sam Hartman that much, and as the week has gone on, I was kind of shocked at how much I didn't believe in him, Nathan, when we did that mm-hmm. Monday pod. And that belief hasn't gone any higher. I don't know if it's gone lower, but I just don't, I don't believe in them that much. While Kyle McCord, I think there's room for him to continue to get better because this is only start number five for him in his career and number four of the season. While well, I just think Sam Hartman is what he is. I think Penn State, now Drew Aller took some steps back last week against Illinois, rightfully so, first year starter, that's going to happen. But I think that Let's put Notre Dame in the Big Ten for two seconds, just for the sake of this conversation. Outside of Ohio State, who I think has the best chance of winning a Big Ten championship? I think it might be Penn State. I just think they have a complete team that if it comes together by the end of the year, I think they could be a legitimate playoff team. While also, they just match up better with Ohio State. Whether you're talking about their secondary, or you're talking about their defensive front, you're talking about their weapons on offense, and you're talking about a five-star quarterback who is developing at the same rate Kyle McCord is as a first-year starting quarterback. And I think that's more dangerous than even what Michigan might bring to the table, even if that game is just that game is just in Ann Arbor. So that one makes that intriguing. While, like I said, I just don't know how much – I don't have that much faith in Sam Hartman
2: in a situation like that because you're six years in. I have one thing I want to throw in here that I was just reminded of. It's something I wrote for the site today about Kyle McCord's 21st birthday was Tuesday night. It was. And he said that he celebrated by doing basically nothing. And uh, which is, it's kind of, I feel bad for him a little bit. It's your 21st birthday. Like, (laughs) you should get to go do something. You're in college. You're the starting quarterback at Ohio State. And your 21st birthday was like, I got some texts. And then I I went over and played football, grinded the tape, and watched watched a bunch of film. But as I was doing that, I was like, oh, 2002 was his birth year. So. That was an interesting year in Ohio State football history. What was happening on September, the day he was born, 2022. <laughs> September 19th, he was born, 2002. And uh, two days later, Ohio State played Cincinnati in Paul Brown Stadium, which is a, obviously a rarity, and yeah. had to rally in the second half to beat, to win 23-19. to 19. That Ohio State mm-hmm. team, five games in regulation that was decided by six or fewer points, two sure. other games that went to overtime. Now, obviously, one of those overtime games was a 31-24 win over Miami in the national championship game. I thought that was a really interesting perspective for me to have as I was trying to, like, formulate a prediction for this game. That a 31-23 win over a team like Notre Dame on the road is in no way indicative of a a weakness in a team. Like, you just, it's whatever score you win this game by you've enhanced your season it's it can't possibly be considered a step back so I, I kind of had that on my mind I almost picked a little higher score and I I just I, I don't know that I I think Ohio State's going to give up a lot more points than this I think this defense might be for real but I just I had that in my mind that like maybe people we're in are going to get into now the big 10 part of the season there's some other teams in here that could be a little nuisance teams and you know Maryland who knows like they're kind of annoying Rutgers isn't losing right now somehow they're three you know so like uh, who knows what's going to happen in, in games like that but just like th- that 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 stat stuck out to me that like how many games that season were so tight and yet that team still gets to stand up so tall at the end ryan day was also saying some other things on wednesday or i'm sorry thursday in his, his zoom call about what was the quote that he said to leave a market ohio state you win games like this So, as much as we were talking about him before, you know, saying we're going to let it rip, we're going to, you know, loose and aggressive, loose and aggressive, loose and aggressive. I think that also has been imposed on them this week that, you know, yes, you're highly ranked. Yes, you're, uh, you've won things in the past. You, you were pretty good last year, but it's, this is how you make a mark. Like, this is, your legacy is, is on the line here a little bit. And we've, there's so many guys in this program that are third year guys, fourth year guys that we think are moving on to to better things after this year, higher higher level of football after this year and they only get so many shots at this and I think that's another message that Ryan Day has been trying to get across to them that this is a a, a this is a pivotal game. I, yeah. well, I hope
0: well, I was going to say if Notre Dame does lose to Ohio State like if if, if Common Core goes in I hope he's able to like maybe we can just like pretend that his birthday was like or Sunday or maybe his friends He's can not just pretend care. that his birthday was Sunday. And I don't they can he, have a night. I feel he, bad whenever somebody doesn't do anything on their he, birthday. He, he Everybody care. should do something on your yeah, birthday. He,
1: he doesn't care at all. That, that, I
0: understand, but like maybe just, okay. You know, if, if if you don't want to like go nuts and go party, I don't know. Take him to a nice restaurant. I don't know. Do something to celebrate. <laughs> Whatever you find fun, James. do something to celebrate. That's not work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's all my comic Nathan. The logic you have for this Notre Dame game, I think that. I almost want to copy and paste everything you said and then put it in my voice and then use it in a few weeks when they play Penn State. Because that's how I feel about that game. Because you're right, th- that Trestle team in 2002 had a lot of close games, but also Trestle ball. You know, that's, that plays a role there. But I don't know if this is a matchup that Notre Dame can keep this close. While I think that of the three teams on the schedule where I feel like coming into it, that's going to be a, a, a interesting matchup, Notre Dame is the one that I think is most likely to just... Ohio State wins it going away, while the other two, just because of what the environment is or because of what the matchup is, those two games might be close. I'm speaking about the Michigan and the Penn State games. We will all be there in South Bend looking at Touchdown Jesus, watching Ohio State play Notre Dame, 7.30 on NBC and Peacock. Ohio State, Notre Dame, top 10 matchup, first big game of Kyle McCord's career. For Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.